Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. In today's episode, we'll meet Elizabeth, a cisgendered white woman in a monogamous heterosexual relationship who's approaching 40. Elizabeth lives in a small, conservative town, and she's concerned that if her neighbors heard her talking about pegging her partner, they would lose respect or even their jobs. That's part of the reason these interviews are so important. Couples in even the most conservative areas are pushing the boundaries of their sexuality. But because everyone is afraid to talk about it, people like Elizabeth think they're the only ones. To protect her privacy, we have changed her voice in this episode. Our conversation went on for well over an hour, and there's so much we couldn't include in this episode. You're going to want to hear the whole thing, so now is the time to head to patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex to access all of the full, uncut interviews featured on this show. I am so pleased to introduce Elizabeth. Elizabeth, thank you so much for being here with me today. It's a pleasure to be able to talk to you. I know that uh, talking about sex can be a little bit of a challenge, so I really appreciate the courage that you are showing by having this conversation. I think it's important that everybody talks about what we actually do. I agree. So the first question that I like to ask people is, what is your first memory of sexual desire? Oh, um... There was a boy at a dance when I was in probably seventh grade. And I had known him probably for 10 years because we're, we live in small towns. And I remember thinking that he was cute and that I wanted to get to know him better, I guess. Um, and, and I think that was the first, first anything for me, first flutter of anything. And how did that go forward? Did you try to get to know him in that way better? Uh, yes. We, at, in, in junior high in small towns, every friend will help engineer things. And so, you know, we were at different dances together. We would dance together. And we went to summer camps together. Um, we... <laughs> We did um, music classes together, and we were sort of geeks that did music camp together. <laughs> and and when people say this one time at band camp, 
uh, yep, this one time at music camp. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so I mean, and, and to be perfectly honest, from the time that we were 13 until we were in our 20s, we had things going on between the two of us. And so how did it, um, when you had that sort of um, adolescent little bit of a crush, how did that um, grow and change as you became a teenager and then into your early 20s? Um, I mean, obviously, it starts out with the little like, we're, we're in a tent having a conversation with other people and suddenly we're holding hands and nobody else has noticed. And um, then we're down by the lake and he's groping me and I'm going, what the hell is this? (laughs) 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 And then we go skiing and then there's kissing on the chairlift. You know, we had a access to an empty cabin quite often and so, and, and it's interesting because we never had a, a public relationship. We were never together in that way, even though that was obviously what I desired, less so for him. Um, and I eventually started doing things with him um, because I felt like I was practicing for my next partner. Oh, how interesting. I had that. I took that view probably when I was 16 or so with him where I was like, nope, I'm going to learn how to get good at what I'm doing here so that I'm good at this for my next partner. And how did that work out for you? Did that feel like it was a good strategy as you got older and started dating other people? Yes. I I have had no complaints. <laughs> so what kinds of things did you get to learn and practice with him that you then took into later relationships oh um hand jobs blow jobs uh learning how to kiss um and learning how to kiss in a way that wasn't sloppy and slobbery like a lot of teenagers tend to be uh i also am an incredibly prolific reader. So I read a lot of romance novels and essentially studied it. Um, And while I had girlfriends that were all reading 17, I was reading what it is borderline trash, but I was very (laughs) educated. I was doing the same thing. I didn't, I totally skipped over that whole, like, how to have a crush on somebody piece and went straight to the how to have sex. I wasn't actually doing it. I was a very late bloomer in terms of actually doing it. But in terms of my reading and my learning, I went straight to the actual having of the sex. Yeah. So this, this particular uh, gentleman that I was with for that long, we actually never had sex. We, we did a whole lot of other things, um, but we, we never had sex. Was that a conscious decision? I imagine over that many years, it must have been a conscious decision for you. For me, it was. I, I grew up fairly conservative, and I had the belief that I was only going to have sex with the person I got married to. 
I knew he was not going to be the person I married. And like I said, I just decided to use him as practice. And there definitely was sexual attraction between the two of us. Um, it, it is, and there has been for since then, um, you know, we're talking, oh gosh, like at this point, 25 years. Wow. <laughs> or more. Yeah. About 25 years of attraction, mutual attraction. And even into our early thirties, he would, we would run into each other and he would intimate that he wanted to hook up. Um, and it just always, it seemed to happen that there were, I had a boyfriend pretty much every time. And I'm pretty, pretty strict about breaking those, those boundaries. I, when I'm committed to someone, I'm committed to someone. Um, and it was only in the last probably year or so that I saw him and for the first time in a really long time, didn't have that like sexual leaning toward him. Wow. What do you think has changed? Uh, We are at drastically different points in our lives. I am divorced and my ex-husband grew up in another part of the world because of the place that he had grown up. There were things he refused to do in bed and, and I wanted to, (laughs) I am not afraid of anal sex. Um, and I've done it a couple of times with a couple of partners. It's not something I can do all the time with anybody. It has to be the right setting situation kind of thing. And we were, we were married and I said that that was something I liked. And he told me he wasn't gay. Oh, wow. And I said, I'm aware we're married we have the sex and it's good, <laughs> but I would like this. Mm-hmm. And he, he flat out refused. Um, and when I then suggested that I would be okay with a, a small egg vibrator there, uh, he told me that's something that wives don't do. You do that with your girlfriend or your mistress, but not your wife. Wow. So really different cultural backgrounds. Very. And how did that feel to you when you heard that? I felt very judged. Mm. Thankfully, I've been around enough other fairly open-minded women that I didn't cower. And, and I can honestly say we, we, were, we were very compatible in bed. It was good. Um, but... There were times when he was tired or whatever, and it was just pretty quick and done, and I wasn't finished. Mm -hmm. So I would grab a toy and finish myself. Mm -hmm. And he was always displeased with that. Ah. Were you able to have conversations about that? Like, were you ever able to say to him, this is what, this isn't a reflection on you. This is what I need for myself. Or was it just not talked about? I tried to have those conversations. And again, I was told, 
wives don't do that. Hmm. Was this something that you ever talked about with your girlfriends or with other people in your life? Was was this something you had felt like you had to keep to yourself or were you able to talk with others about it? I have one female friend who I could talk about it very openly with and and express that. Um, and And her perspective was probably very similar to yours, which would have been, you do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And essentially, I did. I, you know, and I and I would say to him, I'm not saying that we what we just did is bad. I'm saying that when we're done, I shouldn't have enough energy left to go clean the house. <laughs> that sounds fair. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sort of have a conservative background. I wanted my first partner to be my husband. That did not happen. Um, but. After having been married and essentially the whole world now knows I'm not a virgin because I've been married. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, not that I no longer care, but I don't really care so much about propriety anymore. And I have a partner now who I fully intend on never marrying. Oh, interesting. Uh, yep. And and he and I are totally on the same page on this. So what is sex like for you post-divorce, post-caring about the propriety of what everybody else thinks? Um, what is your sex life like now? Oh, God. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, so I... Yay! <laughs> <laughs> And it's amazing in new and incredible and fun ways that I could, first of all, I couldn't possibly have imagined, even with all the reading that I had done as a teenager. Um, but his his level of intelligence and his quick wit and his ability to spar and to parry mentally with me um, is something I don't get to experience much in a flirtatious way. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So the first weekend he came up and he got out of the car and and it and it just hit me that feeling of I I want this. We'd exchanged enough and I, I'm also a writer, so I'd sort of written some like little like sexual vignettes to him. Oh. Um and so you know, I'd sort of Every now and again, I'd email him just like a paragraph or two of like what what could happen. Very bold. I love it. He, yeah, he encourages the boldness in me. Let's just say that. <laughs> okay. So literally the first night we were together, I had made dinner and it was ready and waiting. And, you know, we'd had a couple of cocktails and some wine. And the next thing I know, I'm sitting on my kitchen counter and he's kissing me. And it's lovely and amazing. Um, and then I'm shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, and I'd sort of warned him about this before. Like I'm a, a plus size girl. And I was sitting there saying, like, don't take my shirt off. Like you don't want to see all this. Mm. Um, and he just continued to make me feel beautiful. Mm. Um and then the next thing I know, my bra is off. 
I already wasn't wearing underwear and then his face was between my legs. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> going for the good stuff. Yeah. Like, there's been no bedroom in sight and all of a sudden I'm going, well, this is lovely. <laughs> so was it good right from the beginning or did you have to sort of find your rhythm together? Uh, it was good right from the beginning. Mm. And I and I can also say I, I am incredibly self-conscious about having someone's face between my legs because I am plus size and I don't want to suffocate them. Also, um, my ex-husband refused to do that. A few other partners had done it, but I was never really comfortable and never really able to let go. And so finally I was comfortable enough with my ex-husband. I was like, Hey, if you want to do this, and he's like, no, no, I don't do that. And I went, hey, wait, were you, how, how did I not know that before we got married? <laughs> um, but it's something that my current partner uh, not only is proficient at, but also adores doing. And how is that for you? Have you, like you say, you've sort of overcome it, but have you, is is that like an, okay, I'll let you if you want to, or a, Oh, hell yes, please. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Like now, like when when he comes to stay the night, I'm like, you do this first. <laughs> so, yeah, there's like, like, hey, hey, this is this is happening first. And then we'll talk about what else I'm going to do. Yeah, I um, I'm dating a really great guy right now. And um, there's a a certain sex position from behind doggy style that I have never wanted to do for a variety <laughs> of both physical and emotional reasons. And now it's like, Oh my God, that's what I want to do. Like all of the time. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, um, it's like, it's a regular thing that he, he comes in and I have a glass of wine and he has a cocktail and then like my skirts off and we're on the couch. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality? Do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think it makes sense, but I need help applying it to my particular situation? That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There is no single answer that's right for everyone, so I'm going to help you discover what's right for you. And we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating and exhausting. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, 
dipping your toes into BDSM, exploring consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring your sexuality for later in life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life, and together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. So when you started talking about him, I don't remember exactly the words you used, but you said something about that this has opened up some things that you hadn't explored before. So can you talk more about that? Sure. Um, So we'd had a conversation early on, maybe like one of the the first or second times that we had physically been in each other's presence. And he asked me about, about anal sex and how I felt about that. And it's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with it. I have to, again, like I have to be in the right frame of mind and I physically have to feel a certain way to be open to it. Uh-huh. And it and it does have something to do with making is with like not being in a re- super stressed out point in my life and literally being able to relax kind of thing. And so we were having that conversation and so we we've been from the very beginning we have been incredibly, incredibly open about sex, uh, about what we like, what we don't like, um, boundaries that we have. And I can remember him saying something about like, would you play with my ass sometime? Would that, would that bother you? And my response was, it's something that I like. Why shouldn't you like it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I know that I'm sure that he has been with people in the past, been with partners in the past that have probably shied away from it. I find it fascinating that there is one part of our bodies that is so similar, mm-hmm. and that we each get pleasure from in a similar way. Um, you know, I, I know so many girls that are like, Hey, I wish I had a penis so I'd know how it would feel. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's like, well, like you you got, you both have this part so you can play with it. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, you know, we explore a little bit and it's something he know, he sort of introduced me to more. So, um, he would, recommend a certain brand of lube that he preferred or that worked the best. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it, and it also helped that there is the most amazing website on the planet uh, called Literatica. Mm -hmm. And I read a lot of that stuff because it's, it's delightful. um, And, I'm fussy about what I read, but I had ended up reading something somewhere. Uh, he and I had been together probably, I don't know, six months to a year. And I read something about a field which 
is essentially a strapless strap-on penis. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a bulb that is inserted into the woman and it juts out just like a, a lovely proud cock. And, and so I had read this story about it and been turned on. And it was, it was a great story because it was essentially talking about a first, a man's first time with it. And this wife who was like, all right, we'll try this. Um, and I remember having a conversation with him about it and saying, like, you, you like, you like your, your ass played with, like, how, how far do we go with this? So you're the one who brought that up. Well, I, I said, I mentioned the field though. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, sure. Get one. Like I, that sounds good. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) So that's sort of what we started playing with. Um, and, and then at one point he said, I want, are you open to trying something else? And I said, what do you mean trying something else? <laughs> and he introduced me to the world of an actual strap on with a harness and something else physically attached to the front of me. And I was like, okay, this is, this is new and different. And to be completely and totally honest, the first the first couple of times doing that or or even trying that um it was a hundred percent to to humor him it was a hundred percent to to just be like this is what you want i will do this and you seem to enjoy this so like i i will continue to do this um and then and then it changed um, do you know what the change was? Was it just ex- um, prolonged exposure to it? Or was there an actual experience that caused you to feel differently? I can tell you the morning that it changed. I can tell you the, I like, and we both, we both know the moment that it changed. Um, that, and I don't think that he ever would recognize that I was humoring him to begin with. I, I think that, um, he like knew that I was, I was working on it. I was getting there. Like, I, you know, and some of it is sort of just unfamiliarity with what we were doing. Um, at this point, like we have a collection of, of cocks that I don't know, we've got a dozen or more now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some are little and some are bigger and some are <laughs> gargantuan. <laughs> uh some are mostly for effect um and you know and it's funny because we have nicknames for them like <laughs> they they are a part of our sex life now and there's there's one that we have that is um modeled after a a porn star and I can't remember his last name but the first name is Dirk and and so we'll regularly talk about it and he'll, and I'll be like, Hey, like, what are you in the mood for right now? He's like, I don't know. How about like you start with little blue and then, and then move up to Dirk. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and, and, you know, and so, so that's just what it is now, but there was definitely a morning that was um, like, we'd probably been, we'd probably been playing with the strap ons for six months, maybe. Um, and there was just one morning where I 
I, something clicked for me. Um, and I realized, and this is going to sound a little odd, but I think it makes sense. But I, I realized the powerful position that I was in. Mm, absolutely. Um, you know, standing there wearing a harness and wielding my lovely cock. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I was really turned on by it. Um, to the point that I was distracted by how turned on I was. Wow. Um, and, and he could tell, and cause I would, I would, I was doing what I was doing and like, I'd sort of slide in and then I'd be like, okay, hang on. Like, I need to take a second. Like I need a, I need a breath here because like I'm driving myself crazy with this. Wow. It's a strange feeling to be so turned on while that's the only connection like to my partner. I have a friend who um, we've been talking about her harness and her, dicks (laughs) and she's like for the first time in my life i finally understand why people take dick pics she's like i just want to take pictures of this thing even though it's not actually my flesh (laughs) um and and that's and it's so funny because i like i do that and um i'll i'll send them to him and he loves it like i'll you know i'll pull up the hem of my skirt and i'll have one on and and I'll send it or I'll be in my car. Like I, you know, and every now and again, like I'll just strap up and go for a drive and then I'll sort of like pull my skirt up. So it's next to my steering wheel and like holding it and send him that. And, and he, lo- he loves it. I like it. Like it's still like I put it on and I get turned on. So you wear it, not just during sex time with your partner, you wear it at other times too. I do. And so let's just ask the question that people are going to ask. So Elizabeth, do you feel like you wish you were a man? Not at all. Okay. So can you talk about that a little bit more? Like what, what, this is not a cross-dressing thing. This is not a transgender thing. What is it? Um, I am 100% female. I am 100% attracted to men and it's the, the point that I use to access another erogenous zone on him. Hmm. And the same as my hands and my mouth are attached to my body and I can use those and think about what I can do with those to him. When I'm strapped up and I'm wearing that, I'm thinking about what I can do to him with it. Hmm. So it's still very much in relation to him, even if he's not in the room with you. Correct. There is a sense once you, once you've had that experience, I, I honestly don't think that I could have just put it on and felt like that. I think that it's having that experience with him that once I've had that experience and once I, once that switch flipped for me and I was getting so turned on by being strapped up and being in some cases behind him, that sort of moment that I keep the harness hanging on a peg in my closet and there are evenings I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to walk around with this. And, but it's, it's not at all about wanting to be a man. There is, there is no part of that that I want. So I'm curious, I have not worn a harness. So this is a physical experience I haven't had. Like I understand that you get turned on 
by the experience of wearing it. But is there an actual physical sexual component of it for you? Is it in some way stimulating your clit? So there are some that I have, like I, like a, I do have a fieldo and that is inserted in and there is a little tiny itty bitty vibrator that I can turn on that will vibrate on my clit. It does so little that the answer is no. Um, for the most part, no, there's, there's no physical anything on me in those moments. I mentioned that my ex-husband was anti-toy. My current partner is pro-toy. <laughs> Yay for pro-toys. <laughs> we, we have a lot of toys. So there are some things that I will do to stimulate one or both of us. There's a, a wand that we have that I can position so that it's on my clit and helping to vibrate in him. And that's quite pleasant. I get so turned on and so far gone that I get distracted. So I have to spend a lot of time focusing on my partner. Oh, interesting. Or else it all just goes to pieces and I'm there with the wand and he's tough. Like, <laughs> I'll be with you when I'm with you. Yeah, for the most part, it's not it's not physical. I mean, every now and again, like if I'm behind him, um, and I can sort of be over him enough that like my nipples are on his back. And that's definitely a turn on mm -hmm. in, in general, when I'm strapped up, it's, it's not that there is something on me or in me. Well, thank you for talking about that so openly. I really appreciate it. Um, I know that that's maybe not the easiest thing because, because people don't talk about this stuff, even though lots of people are doing it, people don't talk about it. Yeah, it's one of those things that it is so completely taboo because the moment a man says he likes something inserted in him in that way, it's, oh, you're gay. And the answer is that my partner is anything but gay. And it's, for me, there is, there is an extra bit of power that comes with knowing I'm strapped up and my essentially my cock, my dick is inside him and I can put my mouth on his uh, or put my hands on his. And the orgasm he has in those moments is one only I can give him that way. Oh, wow. There's such an additional level of intimacy in knowing how far, how fast, even which one to use in which moment. I also like to tie him up. Uh-huh. And that was something I've been fascinated by for a very long time. And he is the first partner that I've had that when I say something about being tied up, the immediate response isn't that they will tie me up. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. And, you know, and part of it is because we are as open as we are and I was like, look, I want to tie you up. Like, I don't, I don't need to be tied up. I'm good. Mm -hmm. um, if, if that was something that he really wanted to do, I would be okay with that. But at the same time, I'm like, I've, I've been tied up and it doesn't do anything for me. So yeah, so I will tie him up and restrain him. I study different techniques and different knots and the same as everything else that he and I do together 
we don't have a safe word because it's not about domination and it's not about punishment and it's not about pain. Mm -hmm. And it is 100% all about pleasure. If one of us in any situation says, ow, or stop, or don't, the other one fully respects that. We had a conversation before the recording when we were setting this interview up, where um, you expressed some unease, some, and, and we are changing your voice, like some discomfort about the idea of being public in talking about pegging, about using a strap on on a man. And um, I'd just like to ask you to talk for a moment about what that is. What is that discomfort? And why do you think that it exists? Uh, so I mentioned that I live in a small town and it is a fairly conservative area. Um, so, and, and it's twofold. It's not just to protect myself, but it's also to protect my partner who also lives in a very con- a ridiculously conservative area of this country. Um, and so it's the sort of thing that, if this was public with him and and less so for me because of choice of other choices I've made, but in, especially for him, um, this literally, this information could compromise his livelihood. It's, it's the sort of thing that wouldn't be well, well received um, by people he has business dealings with. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that anybody particularly has a right to know what goes on in anybody else's bedroom unless we specifically choose to talk about it with them. And with that said, I hope that this podcast and others in this, you know, in this world will open up these conversations so that they're not so shameful, so that people don't have to worry about things like their livelihood for what they do in their bedroom. Because it really is nobody else's business how you take your pleasure as long as you're not hurting anybody else in the process. Um, I think this is, again, specifically pegging is still one of those super taboo things. My ex-husband was so terrified of anything like that that if we were cooking dinner together and I smacked him on his ass, he would turn and look at me and say, don't do that. I'm not gay. Oh, wow. My current partner can be cooking breakfast for us and I can come into the kitchen and be strapped up and say, bend over the kitchen table. And he will. Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free. And one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post. And if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex? I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. 
send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus, I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing, there is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you. Whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener, I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. Before we let Elizabeth go, let's do the quick five. Five quick questions that we'd usually be too polite to ask anyone. Favorite sex position? Strapped up behind him uh, with my hands on his hips pulling me into me. Favorite sex toy? Non-battery operated are my ropes. I like, that's easy. Sex during your period? Yeah. Hair down there or bare? Oh, bare. I mean, for both of us. And how do you maintain that? Do you wax, shave, electrolysis? At the moment, I'm still shaving, but I swear to God, the next time I have a significant amount of money, I'm just, I'm just going to get it all taken care of permanently. <laughs> like, I'm so done with it. Um, swallow or not? Swallow. If the, if the moment's right, but I'm a big fan of like seeing it squirt everywhere. That's really what I love to watch. Like that, that's the best moment for me is to like feel I'm about to go and then just watch it. <laughs> Elizabeth, thank you so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate not just your time, but how willing you've been to be just wide open and vulnerable and honest. It's been a real pleasure to talk with you. I'm happy to help enlighten the rest of the world as to how much fun sex is. Yay! Because good girls do talk about sex. (laughs) Of course we do. (laughs) That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts Or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. 
While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Good Girls Talk for more sex positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life.